the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. Chris Williams is engineering. James Blend is producer of today's program. Later in the second hour, we'll hear from Gary Thomas, author of When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People. We'll also let you know what's happening in Iran with regard to... Um, the church and some Christians who have been in prison for some time and are appealing to the Supreme Court there. That's coming up also in the second hour of today's program. And before I get started, I have to say uh, we just concluded the final performance of the Portland Singing Christmas Tree. It was a spectacular um, display by the Portland Singing Christmas Tree. And I already miss my <laughs> singing Christmas tree family. I just want to get that out of the way. If you're in the tree and you're listening I miss you. And you did a spectacular job. Anyway, I just had to get that in. I wanted to uh, also mention this, the Christmas mortgage miracle. It is precisely what it sounds like. If you can imagine what it would uh, be like to have no rent, no mortgage for a full year. No, I'm not joking. (laughs) It could happen if you enter the Christmas mortgage miracle with KPDQ from OsteoStrong PDX. You can enter once per day now through the 17th of December. So there's still time. Just click on the Christmas Mortgage Miracle at kpdq.com. All the important details are there. So it's pretty exciting uh, to think about. All right, let's see. The Oregon Health Authority has assembled a rules advisory committee earlier this week to address a permanent indoor mask mandate in the state of Oregon. It's one of a few states that still retain one nearly two years into the pandemic permanent indoor mask mandate now there is an asterisk by that and they try to tell us so permanent doesn't mean what permanent actually means the committee included several community stakeholders including representatives from the hospitality industry the business sector faith communities according to local abc affiliate katu dr paul sislak Uh, The medical director for communicable disease and immunizations at the Oregon Health Authority explained that OHS, OHA's potential permanent, in quotes, indoor mask mandate is not necessarily permanent because it can be repealed. Now, why you would choose to use the word permanent, knowing that it would irk the general population when you recognize that it's not going to be permanent? We assume he says that doesn't mean permanent. So why not use a word that's more fitting or and closer to what you're actually proposing permanent means indefinite so why not call it an indefinite mask mandate it doesn't necessarily mean permanent he says we can repeal it as well but we are only allowing to uh, allowed to have a temporary rule for 180 days and anything that goes beyond that we cannot extend it so i guess that's why they use the language but it is rather confusing and quite frankly it's a little irksome um The public will be permitted to offer comment when the uh, Oregon Health Authority proposes the indoor mask rule formally and the date of which has yet to be announced. We'll try to keep an eye on that and let you know when that announced date is made public. 
Well, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announced the city would be implementing a COVID-19 vaccine mandate for all private sector employers during an interview on MSNBC today. Well, the vaccine requirement will go into effect on the 27th of December, according to the outgoing mayor. He called the move a preemptive strike on the new Omicron variant of COVID-19 and the winter months, which typically see a surge in cases. Now, People have overreacted to Omicron. Apparently, it's not as severe as, you know, one might imagine. And we, we're not really sure. So to take um, major steps in this direction are premature. And those who discovered it and doctors who are involved in this whole thing have warned against overreacting. But, you know, that's kind of the knee jerk reaction these days. We've got Omicron on the uh, I say Omicron, Omicron. Potatoes, potatoes. And anyway, as a new factor, we've got the colder weather, which is really going to, to create additional challenges with the Delta variant. We've got holiday gatherings, de Blasio said in his interview. We in New York City have decided to use a preemptive strike to really do something bold to stop the further growth of COVID and the dangers it's causing to all of us. As of today, we are going to announce a first-in-the-nation measure. Our health commissioner will announce a vaccine mandate for private sector's employers across the board. All private sector employers in New York City will be covered by this vaccine mandate as of December 27th. Vaccine proof will also be required for 5- to 11-year-olds for indoor dining. A vaccine proof, um, I should say, it, it includes fitness and entertainment, and the program now requires two vaccine doses as compared to the previous mandate, which only required one. So it could be worse in Oregon, just saying. Well, of the eight countries in southern Africa affected by the president's travel proclamation as of Sunday, five still have no confirmed cases of the Omicron now I've said Omicron, a variant of the coronavirus. Meanwhile, another 40 countries on four continents do have confirmed cases, but travel from them to the United States has not been barred. In one of those 40 countries, Britain, there have been uh, more confirmed cases of the new variant than other countries barring South Africa. Well, a small number of cases of the virus have now been confirmed in the United States, so maybe we shouldn't even travel home, in 16 states and counting, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. They are California, Colorado, Connecticut, Georgia, Hawaii, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Utah, and our neighbor, to the north, Washington. Well, since last month, the U.S. has prohibited entry to non-citizen travelers who, in the two weeks before travel, had been uh, in eight southern uh, African nations. But of the eight countries, four, Nambi- uh, Namibia, uh, Lesotho, uh, Malawi, and one other, have no confirmed cases, while a fifth, Mozambique, has two suspected but not yet confirmed cases. So it seems that the president jumped the gun a bit premature this time around in what he Uh, called a racist act on the part of the previous administration, but somehow is more altruistic under this administration. But that's pretty typical. We're always uh, willing to expose the sins of others while covering our own. So I suppose it's not altogether surprising. I'm always better in my own eyes than perhaps I actually am. Yeah, Chris just said I have something in my eye. (laughs) He says that, well, I see this thing protruding out of yours. Just a thought. Anyway, Russian President Vladimir Putin has the whole world anticipating his next move as he builds up a massive military presence along his country's border with Ukraine, with U.S. officials anticipating an imminent invasion early next year. The White House said over the weekend that President Biden and 
Putin uh, will sit down for a video conference this week where Biden will raise concerns about Russia's military activity and reaffirm the United States support for the sovereignty and territorial integrity of Ukraine. Now, some are predicting that uh, Putin sees weakness in the United States and is very likely to seize upon it. Satellite imagery obtained by Fox News and other news outlets on Sunday highlight several locations within western Russia, as well as one location in Crimea, where the Russian tactical battle groups containing troops and equipment have been deployed. The plans involve extensive movement of 100 battalion tactical groups with an estimated 175,000 personnel, along with armor, artillery and equipment. A Biden administration official says... Well, the president said he plans to have a long discussion with Putin on Tuesday and outline a meaningful set of initiatives that will make it very, very difficult for Russia to invade Ukraine. Well, the truth is it won't be difficult. There are things we could have done uh, preemptively in terms of arming Ukraine and other initiatives. It's a little too late now, um, but we'll see what happens. Maybe his diplomatic skills are greater than Uh, I imagine. But we'll see what happens in this long discussion that President Biden will have with President Putin. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Focus on the family. It's their year-end appeal. Christmas is a time, of course, to share hope and healing, peace and joy. And this year, you can join KPDQ to give families hope through your support of Focus on the Family. Through a special matching opportunity, your year-end gift will be doubled dollar for dollar. God will use your gift to bring healing and redemption to twice the families. So get details on how you can give families hope at kpdq.com. Well, former Senate Majority Leader Bob Dole died on Sunday morning at age 98. His wife's foundation announced it's with heavy hearts. We announced that Senator Robert Joseph Dole died early this morning in his sleep. Elizabeth Dole Foundation tweeted at his death at age 98. He had served the United States of America faithfully for 79 years. More information coming soon. Well, Dole announced earlier this year that he was being treated for stage four lung cancer, which prompted a visit at the time by President Biden to the Washington, D.C. home of the former senator. Dole, the former Kansas uh, senator, was a World War II veteran who lost the use of his right arm on the battlefield in Italy. As former national chairman of the World uh, War II Memorial Commission, he helped raise nearly $200 million for a World War II memorial on the National Mall, which was completed in 2004. He was the Republican Party's 1996 presidential nominee and had a political career spanning nearly four decades. Former President Bill Clinton presented Dole with the Presidential Medal of Freedom months after winning the election against him. Former President George W. Bush issued a statement Sunday saying Dole represented the finest of American values. Dole is survived by his wife, former North Carolina GOP Senator Elizabeth Dole, who is 85. In other developments, Republicans and Democrats reacted to Bob Dole's death, saying he represented the finest of American values. Bob Dole was a World War II hero and carried his battle scars the rest of his life, but never talked about them. One liberal anchor downplayed Bob Dole's record because of his support for Donald Trump. And Bob Dole's uh, passing has veterans wishing for more people just like him. 
Well, the former CNN anchor calls on the networks to replace Chris Cuomo, who's been fired, with a woman. Former CNN anchor Brooke Baldwin, she asked her previous employer to consider a new female primetime host in an Instagram video on Sunday while addressing the termination of Chris Cuomo, the former host. Just like so many of you, I saw the news on Saturday about a sudden change in CNN primetime, and I have no comment on that decision, Baldwin said on Sunday. But just as someone as a... Uh, as a woman who has worked there for over a decade, who has the utmost respect for my former colleagues, I just wanted to share something with you today. And that is when I saw the news pop on my phone. I did something I hadn't done since I left the place. I went back and I rewatched my parting words on my last newscast back in April. Upon a departure from CNN in April, Baldwin aired her grievances about the lack of opportunities for women at the network. The most influential anchors on our network, the highest paid, are men. My bosses, my executives are men. The person who oversees CNN daytime is a man. And my executive producer for 10 years is a man. So I've been surrounded by a lot of men, she went on to say. Needless to say, her point was, you need to replace Chris Cuomo with a woman. Well, there's a thought. Uh, In other... um, In other developments, a new Chris Cuomo uh, misconduct allegation emerged days before his CNN firing, totaling two. Howard Kurtz points out that Jeff Zucker protected Chris Cuomo, referring to him as his man until the new details proved too damaging. And Joe Concha ripped Chris Cuomo, saying his ego, hubris and a complete lack of a moral compass led to his termination. End quote. A Michigan sheriff is in contact with a person of interest connected to the building where the Crumleys were found Uh, Lawyers say an Oakland County, Michigan resident has retained a lawyer for his reported connection into the disappearance of James and Jennifer Crumley, the parents of the accused school shooter, Ethan Crumley. The Michigan uh, resident is in contact with the Oakland County Sheriff's Office and a meeting is planned. Um, and was held earlier in the day. The 65-year-old is an Oakland County resident and owner of a, an interior art design company, which has a location inside the building where James and Jennifer uh, Crumley were found by law enforcement officers early Saturday morning. Uh, his attorney, Clarence Doss, issued a statement on Sunday saying that he is a pe- person of interest but has not been charged with any crime. Mr. Sikora has not been charged with any crime. Nevertheless, upon learning of the Crumley's arrest on the 4th, he voluntarily contacted the Detroit Police Department and Oakland County Sheriff's Office to provide information. James and Jennifer Crumley were charged with four counts of involuntary manslaughter after their son, Ethan Crumley, was charged in the shooting at Oxford High School where four people were killed and at least seven others injured, including one teacher. The couple disappeared on Friday, were found in a basement in the Detroit building on early Saturday morning by law enforcement officers. Well, the person of interest in the Michigan uh, case did not know about the Crumley's charges before he let them come by, his lawyer says. A Michigan superintendent announced an independent investigation into the actions leading up to the Oxford High School shooting. And the alleged Michigan school shooter convinced officials that his violent drawings were a harmless pursuit. Authorities say all three Crumleys have been locked up in the same Michigan jail and the parents uh, pled not guilty earlier today. Well, China may be eyeing its first military base on the Atlantic Ocean. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar ripped LeBron James over what he called a childish celebration, saying uh, goats don't dance. And Chrissy Teigen froze out seats around 
uh, around her at a Christmas classic. In other words, she purchased seats around her so that she wouldn't have to sit next to anyone, depriving others of the opportunity to enjoy the event. Mike Pence, who still has presidential aspirations, addressed his relationship with former President Trump after the January 6th event. The U.S. State Department uh, phones have reportedly been hacked. They're linked to an Israeli NSO group, uh, software slash spyware. Instagram is asking users to create second accounts. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says smash and grab robberies are not really happening. Don't believe your own eyes, she says. Uh, New York Representative Ocasio-Cortez was slammed by Republicans and business leaders following an interview where she cast doubt on whether rampant smash and grabs are actually occurring. A lot of these allegations of organized retail theft are not actually uh, panning out, she says in an interview with The Washington Times last week. I believe it's a Walgreens in California cited it, but the date didn't um, back it up. She added uh, her comments are not appreciated by those suffering from the crimes. Well, in other news, um, 2021 ends up being the uh, deadliest year for police officers. Last September, when the nation's largest police union backed Donald Trump for re-election over Joe Biden and must have had a sense that its endorsement would be a matter of life and death. And sure enough, it has been. We are on pace this year to see the highest number of officers shot in the line of duty in one year ever recorded. That's according to Patrick Yo's, president of the Fraternal Order of Police. To date, 314 officers have been shot in the line of duty in 2021, 58 of them fatally. This deadly year has marked the end of watch for far too many cops. In addition, the um, uh, FOP has recorded 95 ambush-style attacks on police officers this year, a 126% increase from last year, and we still have nearly a month left in 2021. Well, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We need to take a quick break, but we'll con- uh, continue to walk our way through some of the day's news and anticipate a conversation with Gary Thomas, author of When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, a Washington Post article blisters Vice President uh, Kamala Harris as more workers exit her office. And a New York Times writer is outraged that white people appreciate book exchanges, too. Well, the journalist put a library box on her front lawn that invite neighbors and passersby to take a book, to donate a book or both. Later comes this. One morning, glancing out my front window, I saw a young white couple stopping at the library. Instantly, I was flooded with emotions, astonishment, and then resentment, and then astonishment at my resentment. It all converged into a silent scream in my head of, get off my lawn. Really, has it come to that? What a sad commentary. Imagine if the races were reversed in this story from Karl Markowitz. The editor's job here should have been to find this writer mental health help, not publish this. I'd have to agree with that assessment. Democrats running Oregon look to make the indoor mask mandate permanent. We made national headlines again. Dr. Paul uh, Cieslak, the medical director of OHA's uh, Communicable Diseases and Immunization Division, told KATU that permanent means indefinite. It doesn't necessarily mean permanent. Uh, he says we might benefit from counseling or rather consulting a thesaurus. 
We can play word games all day. Permanent means perpetual, unending, enduring. It doesn't necessarily mean permanent. But again, the simple fact is that until the rule is repealed, a permanent mask mandate is a permanent mask mandate. So if you're confused, um, the, do- the good doctor suggests you get a thesaurus. And then uh, and don't question why the word permanent was used for what most likely will not be permanent. San Francisco suspended its marijuana tax to help dispensaries compete with drug dealers. Remember when they said we need to make pot legal so we can tax it? Hmm. Women are upset as a man broke more female records in swimming over the weekend. This Washington Times article refers to pen swimmer Leah Thomas as a she, but the swimmer is, in fact, a biological he. The college sent out a press release bragging about him setting a new program record for women. But the story also notes there are many who are upset women rec- women's records rather are being broken by men. And in this case, a man, according to a new poll, a majority of young Americans say democracy is in trouble or failing. Problem is in trouble and failing are vastly different takes, even if they appear close. Only 13 percent said failed in trouble can also be the uh, uh, the take of conservatives who see it threatened by socialists in power. So I'm not sure how helpful this poll is. War hero and U.S. former Senator Senator Bob Dole has died at 98. I think I may have already mentioned uh, that one. Um, in another profile in Valor, the last remaining officer from World War II's Band of Brothers died at 99. You can read more about that in the Washington Examiner. Really fascinating uh, series. I, I don't like war movies generally, but I married Dan Rice and now I've come to appreciate them. And that's my all time favorite band of brothers. Um, Alec Baldwin interview and Alec Baldwin interview last week could come back to haunt him from the story in the L.A. Times. The decision to speak on national television during an active criminal investigation and amid two civil lawsuits was a highly risky tactic that could compound problems for Baldwin, according to several legal and public relations experts who spoke to the Times. From the actor, um, Adam Baldwin, no relation. Um, In politics, the House's big brother Democrats blocked a GOP effort to codify a parent's bill of rights. And in a case of friendly fire, Joe Manchin backs a uh, GOP-led effort to overturn Biden's vaccine mandate for private employers. More developing on that story. The Biden administration waves sanctions on Iran as nuclear talks restart. What could possibly go wrong? U.S. intelligence warns that Russia is planning a massive military offensive against Ukraine involving 175,000 troops. China has uh, warned of firm countermeasures if the U.S. stages a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Olympics. Too late. They've already staged a diplomatic boycott. Trust in U.S. military has declined as worry over China has increased. And a declassified CIA inspector general report show a pattern of child sexual abuse and a reported decision by federal prosecutors not to hold agency personnel accountable. A GOP candidate has been declared the winner in the Virginia State House race. Republicans will gain control of the chamber there. Wisconsin's anarchy enabling governor vetoed five pro-life bills. The World Health Organization says no one has yet died from Omicron variant, despite the new COVID strain being spotted in 38 countries, including our own. NASA is looking to build nuclear power generators on the moon by 2030. Well, this day in history, 1884, Army engineers complete construction of the Washington Monument by setting an aluminum capstone atop the obelisk. 
1865, the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolishing slavery is, is ratified as Georgia becomes the 27th state to endorse it. 1907, the worst mining disaster in U.S. history occurs as 362 men and boys die in a coal mine explosion in Monongah, West Virginia. 1917, some 2,000 people are killed when an explosive-laden French cargo ship, the Mont Blanc, collides with a Norwegian vessel at the harbor of Halifax, Nova Scotia, setting off a blast that devastates the Canadian city. 1917, Finland declares independence from Russia. 1923, a presidential address is broadcast on radio for the first time as President Coolidge speaks to a joint session of Congress. 1947, Everglades National Park in Florida is dedicated by President Harry S. Truman. 1957, America's first attempt at putting a satellite into orbit fails as Vanguard TV3 rises about four feet off of Cape Canaveral. Uh, the launch pad before crashing down and exploding. 1973, House Minority Leader Gerald R. Ford is sworn in as vice president, succeeding Spiro T. Agnew, who had resigned after pleading no contest to tax evasion amid scandal. 1982, an Irish National Liberation Army bomb explodes at a pub in Bally uh, Kelly, North Ireland, Northern Ireland, I can say that, killing 11 soldiers and six civilians. 1998 in Venezuela, former Lieutenant Colonel Hugo Chavez, who had staged a bloody coup attempt against the government six years earlier, is elected president. 2008, President-elect Barack Obama says in a Saturday radio and Internet address that he'd asked his economic team for a recovery plan that would save or create more than two million jobs. 2013, the Fender Stratocaster that Bob Dylan played at the 1965 Newport Folk Festival is sold at Christie's um, for nearly a million dollars, the highest price ever paid for a guitar at auction. I'd be willing to sell one of Dan Rice's guitars for around that amount. 2017, President Trump uh, declares Jerusalem to be Israel's capital, defining, uh, defying rather warnings from the Palestinians and others around the world that he would um, be destroying hopes for Mideast peace. And finally, also in 2017, Time magazine names as its person of interest, person of the year rather, the silence breakers, those who had shared their stories about sexual assault and harassment in the hashtag MeToo movement. Well, ahead of a a scheduled video call between President Biden and Russian President Vladimir Putin on Tuesday to discuss the Ukraine crisis, the Kremlin says Putin will uh, seek written guarantees that NATO will not expand further eastward. But President Biden asked about Russia's red line on Ukraine, replied, I don't accept anybody's red line. Well, amid deepening concerns about Russia's military buildup in on Ukraine's border, President Biden also said this is on Friday that the U.S. was putting together what he believed would be the most comprehensive and meaningful set of initiatives to make it very, very difficult for Mr. Putin to go ahead and do what people are worried he may do, end quote. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken warned in Europe last week that the U.S. could put in place against Moscow things that we have refrained from doing in the past, alluding to even tougher economic measures that those taken um, uh, thus far in response to Russia's annexation of Crimea, cyber attacks, election interference and attempted assassinations in Europe. But this would be the last straw after many last straws. Well, the two sides are drawing battle lines Ahead of the call tomorrow, 
President Biden said that he um, as he left Washington for Camp David on Friday night, that he expected to have a long discussion with Putin about Russia's actions regarding Ukraine. The Washington Post reported on Friday on U.S. intelligence assessments that Russia plans to deploy and has already deployed 175,000 troops along the Ukraine border by early 2022. Uh, Current U.S. military estimates uh, are that as many as 100,000 personnel have been moved to that area. Russia denies its plans to evade, uh, invade, rather. They are evading, but they are denying plans to invade while becoming increasingly vocal about its objections to NATO military exercises near its territory and its opposition to Ukraine joining that alliance. And Apple notified the State Department uh, employees of phone hacking linked to NSO Group software. Um, Apple last week notified 11 U.S. State Department employees in Uganda that their iPhones were hacked and investigators have linked the attack to a tool deployed by NSO Group, an Israeli technology company that was blacklisted by the Biden administration, according to a person familiar with the matter. Some of the target uh, targeted State Department employees uh, were foreign service officers who are U.S. citizens, while others appear to be locals working for the embassy. The person familiar with the matter said the hacked phones were linked to State Department email addresses, the person also said. The alerts appear to be the first confirmed case of NSO Group's mobile hacking tool known as Pegasus, or rather Pegasus, being used to, to successfully target American officials. The Biden administration last month played in, uh, placed NSO Group on an um, export prohibition list that restricts the firm from obtaining some types of technology from the U.S. That came after a recent series of articles published by a global consortium of journalism organizations alleged that Pegasus, one of the NSO group's main software intrusion tools, had been used by dozens of law enforcement and intelligence customers around the world to target and break into cell phones belonging to politicians, human rights activists and journalists. Well, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in our second hour, we'll talk with Gary Thomas, author of When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I want to remind you that Saving America with Charlie Kirk on 93.9 KPDQ weekdays following this program is a program worth sticking around for. Charlie Kirk is the founder and president of Turning Point USA, a national student movement dedicated to identifying, organizing and empowering young people to promote the principles of free markets and limited government. He speaks in over 70 Christian churches every year. And now with the launch of Saving America, you can hear him too. tune in to Saving America with Charlie Kirk weekdays at six o'clock p.m. right here at 93.9 KPDQ. By the way, Unlimited Grace is a program from pastor and author Brian Chappelle, um, who uh, is dedicated to spreading the gospel of God's grace to all people. He wants believers to serve God through faith and fuels the joy of transformed lives. You can catch Unlimited Grace also right here on KPDQ at 730 a.m. or excuse me, at 11 o'clock p.m. on 93.9 FM and 730 a.m. on True Talk 800, our sister station. Well, on a September afternoon, Alyssa Solorio wondered why her energetic young brother hadn't emerged from his bedroom in their Sacramento, California home. When she opened his door, she saw the 23-year-old leaning back in his chair with his legs dangling over the side. 
She rushed to her brother. She shook him, but it was to no avail. He was dead. A counterfeit pharmaceutical pill laced with illicit fentanyl had killed him. Well, drug cartels are taking advantage of law enforcement weakness and policy failures to smuggle record amounts of the lethal drug into the United States. America has a fentanyl crisis, and it begins at the southern border. Well, Mikhail Tirado was one of an estimated 93,331 overdose fatalities in the United States last year, an all-time high, nearly five times the murder rate. The deadly overdose tool was primarily caused by fentanyl, a highly lethal synthetic opioid. It's manufactured mostly by Mexican cartels with ingredients imported from China and then smuggled over the southern border. Fentanyl has been arriving in large quantities every year since at least 2016. Well, the cartels are taking advantage of law enforcement weakness and policy failures to smuggle these records amounts of lethal drugs into the U.S., according to um, an interview with half a dozen current and former drug and immigration agents. And while a lack of screening uh, technology to find contraband at uh, ports of entry and an inept U.S.-Mexico campaign to cripple the cartels are longstanding issues. There's also a new one, the flood of migrants across the border that the Biden administration has done little to stop. Well, former law enforcement officials say the cartels are behind the surge, overwhelming the capacity of agents to pursue drug smugglers. They can freely enter Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, California, carrying fentanyl, uh, while agents are diverted to apprehending and processing migrants. Well, frustrated border agents, their unions have been calling on Congress to send reinforcements, but help is not on the way. The administration is upcoming budget request doesn't include funding for more customs and border protection agents. So, again, help is not on the way. Well, instead, the administration is embracing a public health approach to the fentanyl crisis. It's proposed spending one, uh, excuse me, $11.2 billion, a huge increase over last year, to expand substance abuse prevention, treatment, and recovery services. But curbing opioid addiction is very challenging. Most substance abusers avoid treatment, according to researchers, and only about one third of those uh, receiving long term medical care fully recover. Cartels have turned to fentanyl because the super potent powder is cheap to produce, makes it more profitable than heroin, according to an assistant special agent in charge of the DEA division in New York. Fentanyl potency at 50 times the strength of heroin is what makes it so deadly. DEA analysis found that 40 percent of the seized pills had a a potentially deadly dose. Um, I saw the devastation, says uh, Triana, one of the officers. The devastation that heroin brought to Baltimore as a young police officer, but fentanyl is a more potent, deadly threat. It's frightening. Now, crime groups have gained complete control of the Mexican side of the uh, 1,950 mile border, directing the uh, flow of both migrants and drugs, according to Victor Avila, a former supervisor, uh, special agent with Immigration and Custom Enforcement, who specialized in human and narcotics trafficking. The smugglers make their way across tough terrain to one of hundreds of stash houses located near roads in the border region. The drugs are then placed in cars and driven through often unguarded checkpoints and across the country. Rather than pursue these smugglers, many Border Patrol agents are handling the crush of migrants entering the U.S. In a statement to uh, Real Clear Investigations, the uh, Border Patrol spokesperson pointed to increased drug busts as evidence of strong enforcement, but agents say more seizures already indicates that more of the deadly drug is entering the country, 
since they've uh, only been capturing an estimated 10 percent to 15 percent of the total. More manpower would be helpful, they say, but agents say that Mexico must start targeting cartel production labs to further cut the supply. That's not uh, currently happening. The uh, current president in Mexico ended Mexico's military campaign against cartel leaders two years ago. The populist uh, president is pushing an agenda to reduce poverty in the hope that it will curb the appeal of drug smuggling. Meanwhile, the cartels face little resistance. So from that side of the border, it's not going to improve, it appears, anytime soon. Meanwhile, parents across the country are suing schools over clandestine gender transitions. The lawsuit filed on the 17th of November by two public interest law firms against the um, Kettle Moraine School District in Wisconsin over the clandestine social transition of a 12-year-old girl marks the latest in a series of cases where school officials allegedly initiated social gender transitions without parental knowledge or consent. The Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, one of the public interest firms suing the, uh, the school district, is also uh, involved in litigation against the Madison Metropolitan School District. But one attorney involved in the litigation says uh, that p- policies and guidelines that are prompting schools to carry out clandestine transactions are in place all across the country. This sort of thing is metastasizing like a cancer underneath the surface around the country, says the president and general counsel of the Child and Parents' Rights Campaign. Well, Broyles uh, represents Jeff and January Little Johnson or Little John in a lawsuit that alleges that Leon County schools in Florida started helping their daughter transition without their consent after their daughter experienced gender dysphoria during the spring and summer of 2020. Uh, Mrs. Little John told the uh, uh, the school district she's uh, emailed her daughter's math teacher explaining that they weren't uh, affirming at home, but they didn't. Um, feel like uh, we could stop our daughter from using a nickname. However, weeks later, Mrs. Littlejohn told the uh, the school district her daughter made a shocking revelation while being picked up from school saying, Mom, I had a meeting today about my name and they asked me uh, which restroom I wanted to use. Well, I immediately, the mom went on to say, was very upset. I was confused. I asked her to elaborate. What are you talking about? I don't know anything about a meeting. And so I immediately emailed the guidance counselor and I was called back with the assistant principal, which I um, thought uh, was pretty odd, Mrs. Littlejohn said. And then they told me my uh, told me my daughter was now protected by law under a non-discrimination law and they could not give me any information. This is a 12 year old could not give the mother any information um, uh, because the, the daughter had to be the one to authorize her notification or attendance at the meeting. Uh, adding that when she initially called the school, they wouldn't even confirm such a meeting had taken place. A guide for employees at Leon County Schools uh, in addressing LGBTQ students shared uh, with the DCNF by the Child and Parent Rights Campaign includes that the question, a student has exhibited behavior in school leading administrators or teachers to believe the student is LGBTQ+, should the parents or legal guardians be notified? Answer, no. Outing a student, especially to parents, who apparently are the enemy, can be very dangerous to the student's health and well-being. Some students are not able to be out at home because their parents are unaccepting. Um, And it goes on from there. Well, after weeks of communications that failed to resolve the situation, the Little Johns, uh, backed by the Child and Parent Rights Campaign, filed a suit 
in federal court on the 18th of October. Leon County Schools didn't respond uh, to questions with more, uh, I should say, questions for more information. But apparently these suits are taking place all around the country. And according to the policy, parents uh, are not being advised, informed or included. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We've got news and traffic coming up here at the top of the hour. We'll be back with a little more news and then a conversation with Gary Thomas. When to walk away, finding freedom from toxic people. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in the next couple of segments, we'll hear an interview with Gary Thomas, author of When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People. Now, I know you and I don't know any toxic people. We, you know, we only associate with, you know, really fine people who, with whom we always get along. But for those who, you know, just want to know what the research has to say, Gary Thomas will join me uh, in the next couple of segments. Uh, again, When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People, Chris, I think on the other side of this, the glass here is probably going to be taking notes. You don't have the freedom to walk away because, you know, we work together. Well, taking a look at the news, the Biden administration will not send any diplomatic or official representation to the Beijing Olympics uh, for the 2022 Winter Olympics. That's what the White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, confirmed today amid the People's Republic of China's ongoing genocide and crimes against humanity. Now, Republicans say we shouldn't be sending athletes to the Olympic Games because that's really that's what's really important to uh, the Chinese Communist uh, government hosting the Winter Games. But the administration says there won't be any diplomatic or official representation. Beijing is set to host the 2022 Winter Olympic Games in February. Human rights activists and congressional Republicans have called for a boycott of the entire event amid international criticism of their treatment of Uyghur Muslims in the northwest region of Xinjiang. It's a crackdown on protesters in Hong Kong and its policies toward Tibet and Taiwan. Well, during a White House press briefing earlier today, she said the athletes on Team USA have our full support, but an official delegation will not travel to the games with them. The administration will not send any diplomatic or official representation to the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics or Paralympic Games, given the PRCs, and that's the People's Republic of China, not the Pregnancy Resource Center, ongoing genocide and crimes against humanity. The athletes on Team USA have our full support. We will be behind them 100 percent as we cheer them on from home. Well, she added that the United States will not be contributing to the fanfare of the games. U.S. diplomatic or official representation would treat these games as business as usual in the face of the egregious human rights abuses and atrocities in Xinjiang. And we simply can't do that, she said. She added, as the president has told President Xi, standing up for human rights is in the DNA of Americans. I wish that was completely true. We wouldn't have, what, 62 million unborn children who have lost that battle of human rights. Anyway, the White House press secretary noted that the Biden administration has a fundamental commitment to promoting human rights and feels strongly in our position. End quote. We will continue to take actions to advance human rights in China and beyond. Well, the administration in March sanctioned Chinese government officials over the serious human rights abuse against ethnic minorities 
in the Uyghur Autonomous Region and warned at the time that China would continue to face consequences should the atrocities continue. Well, congressional Republicans for months had urged the administration to discuss moving the Olympic Games out of Beijing. A State Department spokesman Ned Price on Monday also doubled down on the White House's announcement, saying that the move does not modulate at all our support for Team USA. We will be behind them 100 percent. Well, the State Department said that its top priority is the safety and security of the American people. Uh, and said it intends to provide consular and diplomatic security services to ensure our athletes, coaches, trainers, staff associated with the U.S. Olympic team that are secure, that they have access to American citizen services that we provide as a routine matter of all um, or to all Americans overseas, but maintain that it is a separate matter from official diplomatic representation. Well, as for other nations following suit, Price said the decision is a sovereign decision that each country needs to make on its own, we fully expect that other countries will announce their decision in the coming days and weeks. What we know today is that there are um, many countries around the world, including many of our closest allies, who share these concerns. So there won't be a diplomatic presence at the uh, Olympic Games in 2022, but there will be athletes. At least that's where it stands at this point. Well, for several years, the Family Research Council has focused attention on the troubled African country of Nigeria. We frequently reported about the rampant violence and killing of Christians by radical Islamist terrorists in the eyes of many seen as a slow motion genocide there. In early 2021, they updated an extensive report on the relentless violations of religious freedom in that vast and influential African nation. Then just a year ago, uh, we were encouraged to learn that then Secretary of State Mike Pompeo had designated Nigeria a country of particular concern. Well, that designation is applied to uh, countries whose governments have engaged in or tolerated particularly severe violations of religious freedom. Well, sadly, Nigeria's designation was short lived on Washington Watch. Tony Perkins invited a congressman, Chris Smith, who's a Republican out of New Jersey, to discuss the shocking and unexplainable actions of the current secretary of state. Um, Anthony Blinken in Nigeria, just hours after he launched the uh, administration's first diplomatic outreach to Africa, the U.S. inexplicably removed Nigeria from its State Department's uh, list, an outrageous betrayal of an already brutalized Christian community. And sadly, that uh, status remains the case. In other news, Vice President Kamala Harris is being described as a bully in a new report that brands her as the common denominator behind a recent exodus of high-level staffers. Uh, Harris allegedly soul destroying management style was revealed by staffers to The Washington Post who wrote about it extensively just days after a spokesperson and longtime aide Simone Sanders announced her departure. Who are the next talented people you're going to bring in and burn through and then have them pretend they're retiring for positive reasons? Former Harris aide Gil Duran told the paper. Duran said Harris' destructive patterns were behind the recent turmoil and exit of Sanders and communications director Ashley Etienne. One of the things we've said in our little text group among each other is what is the common denominator through all of this? It's her, Duran said. One former staffer claimed the vice president fails to read briefing materials, then lashes out at others when she's unprepared. It's clear that you're not working with somebody who is willing to do the prep and the work, the staffer said. With Kamala, referring to the vice president, you have to put up with a constant amount of soul-destroying criticism and also her own lack of confidence. So you're constantly sort of propping up a bully, and it's not really clear why. 
Now, it's not clear that uh, President Biden intends to run for a second term and she would be the next up. Uh, and one questions whether or not she will be the front runner for the Democrats if that were in fact, the case. Meanwhile, former Vice President Mike Pence says he knows he did the right thing on January 6th in certifying the 2020 election and ignoring the requests from then President Donald Trump to overturn the Electoral College results. I know in my heart, uh, my heart of hearts, that on that day we did our duty under the Constitution. He said in an interview with a Christian broadcasting network that was released a few days ago, I don't know if President Trump and I ever see eye to eye on that day or that many of our most ardent supporters will agree with my decision that day, but I know I did the right thing. If Pence's uh, comments sound familiar, they are. The former vice president headlining a Republican county fundraising gala in New Hampshire six months ago made headlines when he emphasized that he... um, did his duty under the Constitution and the laws of the United States. And there's a lot of speculation in the 2024 watch that former Vice President Mike Pence may seek the White House in 2024 for the Republican Party. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Up next, we'll uh, talk with Gary Thomas, when to walk away, finding freedom from toxic people. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the final segment of the Georgine Rice Show. Uh, story out of Iran. Apparently, Iran's houses of worship are no longer illegal, according to a Supreme Court justice. It's an unprecedented ruling, and it asserts practicing and promoting Christianity at home is not a national security threat. Now, advocates debate whether it's going to be um, heated or not, but this is certainly a move in the right direction. Now, nine Iranian Christians from Rasht, are facing national security charges based on this whole way of thinking. Well, currently at least 20 Christians are jailed in Iran because their faith was deemed a threat to the Islamic Republic's national security. Now, of the more than 100 Iranian believers imprisoned since 2012, all have faced similar charges. But a recent decision by the Supreme Court in Iran, uh, this is a Supreme Court justice, gives hope to them all. Um, And this is what the judge says. Merely preaching Christianity through family gatherings, house churches, is not a manifestation of gathering and collusion to disrupt the security of the country, whether internally or externally. That's according to the judge, Syed Ali. Last name I won't attempt. The promotion of Christianity and the formation of a house church is not criminalized in law. End quote. Now, two years ago, there were nine converts from the non-Trinitarian Church of Iran in Rasht about 200 miles northeast of Tehran, near the Caspian Sea. They were arrested. There were raids on their homes and the church, which met in homes, sentenced to five years uh, in prison in October of 2019. Uh, These four uh, followers of Jesus are now eligible for release based on the decision announced by this judge. Well, the judge's ruling announced on the 24th of uh, November is unprecedented, according to multiple Iranian Christians and international advocates. Now, I'm reminded of the scripture that says God can change the course of a mighty river and he can change the heart of a king. This occurring in Iran is, as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, is unprecedented. The judge's main argument is what we have been saying for years, says an advocacy director for Article 18. It's a U.K.-based organization promoting freedom of religion in Iran that uh, tallied the cases noted uh, in this uh, and other cases. It is astonishing for us to hear it in such a from such a high level. They went on to point out. And my first response is 
praise God. There, there may very well be reprieve for these believers who were uncompromising in their faith, and it cost them everything. It also cuts against the grain of international understanding. The U.S. State Department's latest religious freedom report on Iran described proselytization, I can never say that word, and conversion as punishable by death. Now consider the contrast, punishable by death and not against the nation's security. Well, an Iranian independent analyst, also based in the UK, said execution would not be a normal punishment, but efforts of local pastors to convert Muslims were definitively illegal. Now, the ruling simply reflects the private belief is not a public or political issue, he said, drawing attention to Article 23 of Iran's constitution, and that the state should not concern itself with house church worship and preaching. So they're drawing a distinction between believers who come together for worship and believers who share their faith with others who still identify with the Muslim religion. Public witness, he said, is not permitted. Uh, They dispute the interpretation, so it's not altogether clear what precisely this will mean. But Iran is a signatory of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, both of which protect the freedom to propagate one's faith. Now, Iran has not been um, known to hold uh, to these kinds of treaties, but nonetheless, um, one observer points out Iran cannot pick and choose between the parts of freedom of religion, saying you can exercise it only privately, but not together. Our rights are enshrined in the law, at least on paper. Well, at least on paper is right. The complication comes through Article 167 of the nation's constitution, which subjects all laws to Islamic Sharia as interpreted by a judge. Now, there is some diversity of opinion, contrary to the ruling orthodoxy. Now deceased Grand Ayatollah Hussein Ali, once in line to be the nation's supreme leader, said in 2005 that the charge of apostasy does not apply in the case of sincere investigation of Christianity. Now, that's hopeful and promising. Now, keep in mind... um, he was once in line to be the nation's supreme leader. Well, such clerical rulings have given lawyers leeway to argue the case of converts before sympathetic judges. The nine church of Iran defendants, however, were sentenced by one nicknamed the judge of death for his harsh treatment of prisoners and conscience. Apparently, precedent isn't held in quite the same regard as it is here. International advocates are cautioning against attributing too much power to a single verdict. The case now returns to a different judge within the revolutionary court system who may disregard the Supreme Court justice's argument. So while it is hopeful, uh, it may not be the final word on what happens with these believers who have been in prison because they are followers of Jesus and have hosted or participated in house churches in Iran. The Iranian government has a history of not following its own rules. Uh, Hormaz Shariat, who's president of Iran Alive Ministries, which runs Um, A Farsi language Christian satellite TV network, very likely this decision will not really help Christians. So it is a glimmer of light, but it may not be the final say. Specifically tasked with national security cases, the courts of the Revolutionary Guard often adjudicate behind closed doors. Overall, Iran uses an uh, in. Inquisitorial legal system. I'm not entirely sure what that means. An inquisitorial legal system, as in France versus an adversarial system, as in the U.K. and the U.S. Now, the judges play an active role in investigating cases, so that's certainly different than our system. Well, this is unprecedented, but it remains to be seen how the revolutionary courts will evaluate 
uh, this decision, stated Middle East concern. It's quite likely that a review will see the sentence reduced, but this is not enough. These men should be acquitted of any crime. That would be a game changer for the Christian converts in Iran. So apparently it's not altogether shocking that a judge, a single judge, would rule in this way. But it would be much more shocking if when uh, upon review by others, they would come to the same conclusion. Iranian human rights lawyer Hossein uh, Ahmad Dinazias explained that if the Supreme Court ruling is not followed, the defendants will have the right to appeal. If their sentence is still upheld, they can refer the case back to the Supreme Court to the same judge who issued the first decision. Should that judge insist on his initial ruling, it becomes uh, binding for the lower court on that case and Uh, advisory for other courts with similar cases. Should he change his opinion, the final judicial step would be to refer their case to the Supreme Court's full body of about 50 judges. By majority, they would then issue a vote of judicial precedent with the power of law. So that's how the system works there. And if you are praying for these particular Iranian believers who have remained faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ and who remain uh, imprisoned and threatened, um, you can pray for that system to work in their favor unless God has another plan and purpose for them. And oftentimes that's the case. Well, in the past, the Supreme Court has ruled to compel the government to issue identification cards for the Baha'i community listing their faith. But it has also upheld the death penalty in a case of adultery as well as against a journalist whose writings inspired anti-government protests in 2017. And last week, uh, one observer says a different judge in the Supreme Court uphold, upheld rather national security charges against two Christian converts. So there's no precedent. There's no continuity that we can look to that would give us any certainty as to what is likely to happen uh, in this case. Iran's negotiations with the West over its nuclear program may have factored into that judge's decision in the case uh, of the nine um, rushed believers. Uh, It's being speculated, but if so, it was likely pushed by a brave campaign launched from within Iran. So just another glimpse of what followers of Jesus are facing in other parts of the world, in this case, Iran. I think there are a couple of remarkable things about this story. First of all, this is evidence that there is a church in Iran. And my understanding is that the church in Iran is growing, uh, if I recall correctly, and I've heard this from insiders, the church in Iran is growing at a faster pace than the church in China. Uh, and if, in fact, that is the case, glory to God. Now, they come to faith at a very high price, and I would hope we would take seriously the connection we share with them and remember them in prayer. I'm rejoicing uh, at these who've set an example that I want to follow when challenged. And for us, it's um, far less a challenge when challenged with regard to my faith that I would stand firm and be willing to face the consequence of um, the courage that comes to us through the Holy Spirit, which is given to every believer who comes to faith in Christ. So keep these Iranian believers in uh, in your prayers and certainly Christians and the church in Iran in general. Well, we are out of time. I want to thank James Blend for producing. Chris Williams for engineering, and thank you for making The Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.